My name is Alexandra Dean, and I'm the director and showrunner of Secrets of Playboy on a &E. I was Miss January 1973. My photos were gorgeous. And then I became director of Playmate Promotions. At that point in time, I wasn't interested in marriage, but I was interested in Playboy Enterprises because women were taking their power. They were in command of themselves. So I thought, well, wow, wow, that's good to me. And it went along with the sexual revolution that was going on. I had a lot of power, a lot of freedom. It, it was freedom, you know? My bunny name was Bunny Jackie. And I started working at Playboy in 1967 for 11 and a half years. We definitely got paid well. And I bought a car and I lived the way I wanted to. We had more freedom than as a secretary or as a teacher. It's 1981, I'm in Chicago as the bunny mother. I had 70 bunnies underneath me. We did a lot of things to help rise these girls up. And it was exciting to me because I knew that I could move up the ladder in corporate. There were often times when I would be interviewed by a strong feminist and she would come at me really hard. And I would just, mm -hmm, yeah, and I would answer and let them know that I was definitely in charge of my life and this was my choice. Now, of course, it came in a cost, but at that moment in time, I didn't know about that. Secrets of Playboy premieres Monday, January 24th at 9, only on A&E. This is Factual America. We're brought to you by Almo Pictures, an Austin and London-based production company making documentaries about America for international audiences. I'm your host, Matthew Sherwood. Each week, I watch a hit documentary and then talk with the filmmakers and their subjects. This week, it is my pleasure to welcome award-winning filmmaker Alexandra Dean. She is the director of the 10-part documentary series, The Secrets of Playboy, now being released on A&E. Don't let the title fool you. Through her interviews with hundreds of former Playboy playmates, bunnies, and employees, she pulls back the veil on the true nature of the Playboy empire and its founder, Hugh Hefner. Far from being a bon vivant, sexual liberator, and empowerer of women, Hefner was a sexual predator who built a media empire on a web of deceit and a mountain of lies. Join us as we discuss this groundbreaking docuseries, which is likely to prove just the tip of the iceberg in this horrific tale of abuse and rape. Alexandra, welcome to Factual America. How are things with you? Very good, thanks, Matthew. How are you? I'm doing fine, and uh, even better now that we have you on the podcast, and it's a, it's a pleasure to welcome you to, to uh, Factual America. Uh, to remind our listeners and viewers, the... Uh, the film we're going to be, well, docu-series actually, is The Secrets of Playboy, 10-part A&E original documentary series. Episodes 1 to 3 have been released. By the time this podcast sees the light of day, I think we'll have episodes 4 and 5. I know it comes out on Mondays at 9 p.m. Eastern. So congratulations again on uh, getting this film made, and uh, thank you again for coming aboard uh, and uh, having a little little chat with us. Uh Maybe get us started, if you don't mind. Um, what is what is Secrets of Playboy all about? That's a loaded question, I, I might, mind you. But uh, maybe give us a, a bit of a synopsis to, to kick us off. 
Yeah, so Secrets of Playboy is really what was happening at Playboy for the last 50 years, mostly from the perspective of the women that were there, but also employees, people behind the scenes. Playboy from a completely different lens than we're used to. Okay. And how how have you come to the story? I mean, what, what you know, your documentary filmmaker, what made you say, I'm going to do a film on Playboy? I'd done a couple of documentaries that glancingly looked at women and sexuality here in the U.S. You know, I did Bombshell, the Hedy Lamar story, and that was really about the first woman to do an orgasm on screen and how that basically okay. discredited her for the rest of her life from being taken seriously for, um, you know, inventing something that became one of the bases for Wi-Fi and Bluetooth and GPS and all these things we work today. Right. today. And then I, again, with the Paris Hilton documentary I just did, her sex tape had discredited her in many people's eyes for many years and made them doubt everything she said. And she reframed that for me as revenge porn, at which point I started to really wonder, like about our hangups around women who have some sort of sexualized image in the public eye and how it might be interfering with our ability to see them clearly. Mm. And and so is this I mean in terms of the timing of this this is post me too is I mean not post I shouldn't say post me too but uh, you know <laughs> yeah, me too, post me too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's uh the I guess maybe the pandemic starting to rage um and were you aware of the rumors about I mean I, I let's let's say this is about Playboy this is about Hugh Hefner this is about someone I'm of an age who remembers, I was quite young, but do remember when he was still being held up as sort of a self-styled you know, father of sexual liber- liberation, someone that maybe men might aspire to, uh, you know, even even then. Um, I mean, were you aware of, because uh, uh, I might as well say it now, I mean, and we'll, it, this will come up, there's, there's a lot of uh, secrets of... Uh, Secrets of Playboy is a very uh, innocuous, benign uh, 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 title for this, I think. I mean, there's a lot of bombshells here because you get to the reality of what was happening. And so were you aware of all, were you aware of some of the rumors or some of these these stories? No, not at all. I really wasn't. And you know, it's funny, some of the press reaction to the series has been like, oh, we know all this dark stuff was happening in the mansion. And I'm like, you did? Because I didn't. I had no idea. Like I started really as an innocent calling all these women who had been in the magazine just sort of saying tell me about your experience yeah. tell me and and so that was the movie you, you as you said you're this is the movie you were you set out to make to to explore this topic and then and then at what point do you get to a point you realize this is a very different or potentially a very different film well almost immediately i started realizing that there was a huge range of experiences that people had had at the at the mansion and that there were women who really came through it feeling this was a great experience and it had helped them yeah. truly and that there were plenty of women who did not feel that in fact felt uh, you know some sort of negative attitude but it was a gradual uncovering I, I really truly didn't know all these dark secrets right away you know I really um I was just wondering how it was possible for women to have such a range of experiences for a long time. And then as the trust built between me and certain characters, more and more kept coming out. And I was really, uh, you know, scrambling 
to figure out how to make it all part of the story as it kept sort of breaking over me. Mm. And so you didn't set out to make a 10-part docuseries, I guess, maybe. No, I mean, really, I thought, you know, initially, I thought maybe it could be a feature or maybe two hours or four hours. Um, And then the revelations started happening. And I also started to realize how enormous the Playboy world was. I was trying to talk Mm. about something much bigger than Hugh Hefner, the individual. I was trying to talk about the entity he'd built. And that meant the Playboy clubs. And it meant the models in the magazine and the girlfriends. And if you think about it, all of these women have been incredibly iconic. Mm. And none of them have really been heard from. Mm. And maybe maybe it's worth taking a step back. Um, I've already alluded to it. Uh, What was this... You know, who was, what was this image that American society had of Hugh Hefner and sort of the Playboy empire? I, I, I know that's evolved over time, but certainly for the large part of that, there was a sort of a conventional kind of wisdom. Yeah. Um, the conventional wisdom was that he was the man who had brought about our sexual revolution. He, he had a lot of credit for that. Um, And that at the same time, he'd been sort of a progressive champion who had promoted women and women's empowerment. And his idea that the girl next door could get naked too and have fun and not be, you know, slapped with some branding of like a a slapper or a whore. You know, that was really important for the American zeitgeist and psychology. Yes. And and then, I mean, you and you bring it up in the the film. I mean, he was uh, very, uh, you know, he, he... he had uh, uh, African American playmates, and I mean, in bunnies and the clubs, and very, very early, you know, very anti, uh, well, you know, very pro civil rights, and you know, this was a, this was an image that, uh, well, I, I, to be honest, I think he actually did believe, believe in that. It. Yeah, I think he yeah. believed it, and yeah. that's one of the really interesting things about this series is we're not talking about a character that, you know, just does what he says on the tin. It's not like that with Hefner. There seems to be these two sides to him, possibly more. But I'm not sure they were talking to each other, you know? I'm not sure that Hef didn't... Yeah, I think he completely blocked that darker side of himself when he was outside of the bedroom. I think he was and completely inhabited this much more progressive person that people truly loved. And then he had these secrets. He had this secret self. And it unleashed a lot of damage as well. Okay. And then... Um... I think, as I said, there's, uh, um, you know, each t- I've now seen that each time an episode comes out, there's a bit of, you know, creates a buzz uh, because there's, uh, I find them to be bombshells. I mean, that's, let's, let's touch on that. If the media said they knew this all along, what were they doing? <laughs> why weren't they, why weren't, why weren't they, they declaring all this happened? I don't know. It's so bizarre. I don't know. I mean, why didn't people say anything? Or, you know, maybe it was, buzzing around LA. I'm not from LA. I, yeah. I'm, I grew up in England. I'm from New York. Okay. I've been here for 20 years. Okay. You know, I think that people in LA do know more maybe in the whispers of LA, you know, in the whole industry. I didn't. I really came at it from an outsider's perspective. And also from the perspective of someone who had been seduced by half as a kid and thought it was pretty cool that um, you know, all these stars of Baywatch came from Playboy and they, right. they were cute and I wanted to be cute like them, you know, as an idiot. <laughs> or the, yeah. or you can be a host on MTV, or you can, you can uh, be a you host know. on 
Fantasy, right? Right. You yeah. could be super yeah. cute and bounce around in a little red bathing suit, and it looked like fun, and it looked like freedom. And yeah. uh, I didn't see anything wrong with that from the outside. I mean, for our listeners, I think I've been I'm not being a very good uh, um, host of this, and that we're kind of dancing around some of this, but uh, in that. I mean, do you want to talk, maybe maybe just give us a sort of summary in terms of what people are going to learn when they when they watch this series? Because I've I've been had the fortune of I've seen all the ten screeners. So uh, uh, yes, <laughs> yes, I put one in for the team. Um, uh, but but uh, my goodness, it wasn't. Uh, I shouldn't say it wasn't easy watching. Everyone should watch this. It's but it it's there's some very horrific, difficult dis- scenes, and, and, and we can talk more about some of the women and what they've had to go through in order to co- bring this story to life. But what are people going to find out when they watch this? It's kind of an onion-peeling situation. You're going to keep seeing layers of Playboy and its image fall away, and each layer we look at what Playboy was kind of seducing people what was the seduction of playboy when it came to like the clubs or the girlfriends or what mm-hmm. or the playmates and then we look at inside the mechanics of it you know we really see these patterns where women were often not protected from abuse or you know sometimes it seemed almost offered up for abuse and then we kind of get deeper and deeper into what Hef was really up to himself in the bedroom and we realized that you know, maybe it wasn't an accident that all this rot was happening in different parts of the Playboy empire because this guy at the center of it didn't seem very worried about protecting women either. Okay. I mean, I think that's, um, I, I should stress, it's not, it's not that it, it's not salacious. This isn't, you know, being, uh, we're not, you know, this, it's, it's, it's actually, I mean, it's, it's like you say, it's unwrapping an onion and it's actually finally shining a light on, um, on things that, for whatever reason, I mean, why why do you think this has been so covered up for so long? I think Hef was enormously powerful. Hmm. I think he was also a beloved American icon. Mm-hmm. You know, when you look at American exports, Coke and Disney and and Hef, you know, the Playboy icon is right up there with them. It, it's a big part of our identity. Like, and so I think Hef just became this cartoon character that we love to love. And we didn't really want to look more closely at all the clone girlfriends and the weirdness going on. I mean, even in the end, he's kind of a, almost a Mr. Magoo type character. But uh, um, yeah, the clone girl. Yeah, I think that's a. I mean, that's a very good point. I think um, he's. Um, you know how well? Maybe that's something we should discuss when we get. Uh, after the break. I'm going to let our listeners have a a break here. Uh, We'll be right back with Alexandra Dean, uh, docuseries, The Secrets of Playboy, 10-part A&E original, and uh, do do check it out. If you enjoy Factual America, check out the Movie Maker podcast. That's all one word, Movie Maker, where our friends at moviemaker.com interview everyone from filmmakers just breaking in to A-listers like David Fincher and Edgar Wright about their movie-making secrets and behind-the-scenes tricks of the trade. They go deep and let the guests speak uninterrupted to get you the most film insight. Now back to Factual America. Welcome back to Factual America. I'm here with acclaimed filmmaker Alexandra Dean, 
the we're lo- talking about Secrets of Playboy, the ten part A and E original documentary series now out. Uh, I think episodes one to three are already out. By the time you listen to this podcast, it will probably be more about four or five. Um, Alexander, we're talking about you know even shining this light. Let's maybe cut. Well, I should cut to the chase. I mean, we're, we're talking about these myths of Hefner and Playboy. So maybe maybe we could walk through some of these. I mean. Uh, he's a father of sexual liberation, but let's let's look at that one first. He enslaved women, didn't he? Yeah, in a way, both yeah. are true, right? It's a yeah. it's an uncomfortable reality. Sometimes, really opposite things are true at the same time. Yeah. Hefner did liberate many women into feeling like they could enjoy their own nudity and sexuality, and that was great. At the same time, he seemed to have a culture at the mansion that was. Um, all about controlling his girlfriends like, and controlling them tightly in weird ways. And you do hear from women throughout the decades who compare it to a cult. Yeah, yeah. That comes out uh, a few times. And it's, it's across many different uh, interviews that that term gets, gets used. Um, um, it's all about consenting adults just having fun. Uh, but actually, rape's involved. Right, right. So we hear early on in the series, um, one of the journalists that I interviewed said, you know, the philosophy that Hef promoted in the magazine was very explicit. It was something that he'd really worked on. It was a literary feat. And he said in the philosophy, basically, he believed in freedom to do whatever you want as long as you're not hurting anybody. That was his philosophy. And, you know, that's what sort of open the floodgates for a lot of people to sexually experiment because if they weren't hurting anyone it wasn't morally wrong in his universe and the problem is he was hurting people (laughs) yes and maybe not everybody but he was hurting some people very badly and we do hear from one of his um most long-term girlfriends Mm. who was extremely close to him you know thought she was going to marry him and have his babies and how, um, and she really takes us through a journey um, around how damaging he could be. Is that, is that Sandra Theodore? That's Sandra Theodore. So she's, she's a very important central character because yeah. she kind of takes us into the heart of darkness of his, of his legendary bedroom and yeah. tells you all about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, you have, um, I wouldn't say he was never against he was never no drugs, but he was always saying there really wasn't any drugs going around or he wasn't aware of it. But it sounds like they were just popping pills and doing all kinds of stuff all the all the time. Oh, my God. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Episode four, you'll see is really it's all around this this battle that Playboy had yeah. with the authorities during the Nixon era to try and convince them that they were not this hedonistic playground, that drugs weren't rampant. Yeah. And of course, you know, the evidence that we see in the in the doc is that they were pretty rampant. And not only that, Hefner was deeply involved in how the drugs were procured. Right. And that's that, again in the Sandra Theodore episode, isn't it? Yeah, that's a Sandra Theodore episode. Yeah. So she's a sort of a guide for us. You're right at the beginning, in the middle, and at the end, really telling us what was happening and then he's a lover of women but i i think it's in some of the latter episodes uh i think more than once uh, your interviewers uh interviewees say they they think he hated women Mm -hmm. yeah a couple of the women at the end of all the interviews they sat down and said i really i really think he hated women 
And I think they're saying that because they feel like they witnessed him, and the word they use is break. They, well, they witnessed him break women. And it was really interesting because I heard that word from four separate interviews, very different interviews, the same word, break. He broke these women. It's a serious allegation. It implies long-term mm. psychological damage and scarring. And and I guess put let's put this in perspective as well. These are more often than not they are women, but they are just become women. There's 18, 19 years old, aren't they? And he's mid, middle-aged at least when this happens. Right, well, and you know, he keeps getting older. <laughs> and he keeps getting older and they keeps, you know, it's the yeah. uh, yeah, it's and the days to confuse yeah. the quote, but yeah, there is a profile that keeps cropping up as well. In my reporting, yeah. I kept coming across the same story. I was sixteen, I was seventeen, I was eighteen. I was scooped up, bought into Playboy. Often, it, you know, the person who was attracted to Playboy or Playboy was attracted to had some sort of um, abuse in their own families or in their yeah. childhood. So it's a pattern they were rep- repeating or they were um, sort of orphaned in some way and Playboy positioned itself as a new family. And they would very often move in for long periods of time, nine months to two Mm. years. Mm. Um, And then um, I think maybe it's worth, uh, you know, at at this point, there are some, well, there, there, well, what I was going to ask you is, you, you you must feel like you've become an investigative reporter. In, in some, well, I mean, that's, that's, that's my background, what, to is be fair. Okay. Yes, yes, I was a PBS uh, okay. documentarian, you know, and I, um, I I worked on the news magazine Now, which okay. is investigative, and I did that yeah. for, you know, the first five years of my career. Okay. So it was, for me, um, you know, it felt to me like that shoe leather reporting yeah. is my background. Yeah. Okay. All right. And then these women that there are many women who you, you interview, uh, many former employees. Um, but, uh, you know, what what about these women that have come forward or you were able to get in touch with who've, um, I mean, how difficult was it for them to, to relive this again? Because we're talking about people like Mickey Garcia, Sandra Theodore, PJ Marston, just to name three, but those are three of your main characters. Yeah, uh, PJ Marston, yeah. 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 Um, it was incredibly difficult for all three of them in, in different ways. Yeah. And Jennifer Saginaw. Yes. You know, yeah. Begins the series and comes back later. Um, and Susie Krabaker comes up in the end that, mm-hmm. you know, also one of my main characters, all of yeah. these, women, it was a really long dialogue that we had. Yeah. And, um, what you are seeing isn't one interview. It's often four or five over a long period of time. And it's like boxes within boxes are being opened up. People would call me and say, I've just remembered something. Oh my God, I've remembered something. Or um, more often, I think I'm ready to tell you something Mm. that I haven't wanted to share. I'm so scared, but I think I'm ready to tell you. I think it's important I tell you. And, and, And some of them have, like Sandra Theodore, she's got children. I mean, she's, you know, it must be, it's not gonna, it can't be the easiest thing. Uh, no, you know, for Sandra, that was a huge struggle. Yeah, she had kids, and the kids didn't really know yeah. this her relationship with Hef. Like she'd really kept this veneer that it, it was all okay, and it was to protect them. She didn't want them to know how bad it had been. Yeah. But, but, but I think 
it's, it, I think it's actually been healing in some way in her family to, to, mm. for them to find out the truth. Well, probably helps explain some things too, you know, <laughs> yeah. doesn't it? I mean, you know, um, yeah. I mean, what, you have some incredible scenes. Uh, I mean, PJ just goes to the garage. She's there in the villages and uh, in Florida, and she just goes to her garage and starts pulling things out. Uh, there's even that one, I think it's the one on, on drugs where, uh, I'm not literally on drugs, but the one about drugs, um, where the guy, uh, you know, you've got these former detectives and they've kept a lot of these notes and they've got their own investigative note, investigative notes and things. It's quite incredible. Yeah. Yeah. That was so lucky. Cause you know, it's during the pandemic, so we don't have yeah. any else, you know, nothing else to follow for very right. <laughs> like, What have you got in your garage? Can we... <laughs> squat over some boxes with you and uh but it did become really interesting it taught me a lot actually as a documentarian there was so much in the boxes in the garages and in the photo albums and also you know we began to really look at videos movies with people and you see that a lot you see them watching their own images and their home mm. movies and things and there's something there's something about an image that just brings everything or or a film that just brings everything back doesn't it yeah and it's and it's interesting the way we projected um, Sandra's old films, they kind of slid across her face and I realized it looked like memories. Hmm. Hmm. And ones that I think she, I think it's in the last episode actually, where she's, she basically thought she had repressed many of them. In yeah, she'd repressed them for sure. Yeah. She'd had such a hard time reconciling the two sides of half for herself. And yeah. so she had to kind of shut down part of herself and, she talks about all her struggles and all the ways she realized she was repressed and sort of breaking down for a long time. And there's that word break again. I mean, cause that's what comes up. I mean, as you say, um, what we see unfold is through their testimony, uh, how this all, how Hefner and his cronies as his, his group circle pushed these, these women uh, to breaking points. Um, and, you just a few minutes ago remind me. There's the other character I mentioned, haven't mentioned, which is incredible. I, I know she's written a book and that's out there, but you have um, um, Jennifer Saginaw, who's who grew up yeah. in the Playboy yeah. Mansion. Right. You we know. start with her because she's this innocent, you know. Yeah. A little kid, really truly an innocent, wandering through, you know, Hefner's Shangri La, which looks to her like Disneyland, right. until she starts opening doors and stumbling on what's happening behind the closed doors. So I thought it was, you know, her, her story is incredibly poignant and it was a, a very moving way for me to sort of uncover the, the mansion through her eyes and start to see some of the things that were maybe going wrong. Mm. And um, what about some of the, I mean, uh, the women we're talking about were many of, well, someone like Mickey Garcia, she's a former employee, but I mean, but the non sort of playmate, play bunny, employees like the valet and the butler and the security guard guards you know how do they feel i mean you know I, in the guilt they, they that comes out i mean they obviously you know why you know because they they kept silent at the time and how do they i mean it kind of comes out but how did they you know in, in filming and talking with them how do they how do they feel about that and how do they reconcile that Every person was different in how they process all of it. And some people seemed to be in denial about parts of it, for sure. Yeah. And it was easier to just kind of drink the Kool-Aid for some people and, and be rah-rah half 
And I, I see that a lot in the Playboy universe. People don't really want to confront the dark side. It's too painful. Um, but I did, you know, really find that some of some of the employees who really confronted what had happened there had these really raw emotional moments where they confronted their own complicity, and they had to stop. Or you know, you you see one of them say, "You can stop filming me now. I'm sorry." You know, and this yeah, yeah. pain comes over his face. Yeah. Um, and what is? I mean. What's the reaction been? I mean, besides, you know, we get some of these stories drop on each episode and there's a bit of a media uh, buzz uh, with each episode. But what if, what is the reaction? Because I think I thought if I think I saw something that how it's been interesting to see how Playboy reacts. Right. Playboy surprised us by um, completely coming out in support of the women and saying, you know, this we are not affiliated with the Hefner family anymore and we do completely support the women who've come out and support their stories. And honestly, I thought, you know, what a marvelous way to react. Um, yeah. It was really impressed me deeply. And we did, in fact, put it in the in the yeah. film at the end, yeah. the yeah. card where they where their reaction is 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 there for everyone to see. Okay. And you said they're not affiliated with the Hefner family anymore. And that that it's a question even someone I know asked me. I, I do remember at some point, I don't know how old I was, but there was this, they were making, they were making a big to-do about the fact that Hefner's daughter was going to take over, you know, the, the running of the, of the magazine and everything. Chris, but she just seems to, and even in your doc, she just kind of disappears. I mean, what, what, what happened? Do we, do you know what, what happened with that? Because it's a very, it strikes me as a very strange, that's a very, well, all of Hefner's relationships seem to have been very strange. But uh, uh, that seems like a strange one as well. Yeah, the famous line of Christie's is, if I hadn't existed, my father would have had to invent me. And that's yeah. what happened to say to her, you know. Yeah. Uh, because he was so savvy and he understood that putting his daughter at the front and helm of the, the company was incredibly good for the company right at the moment where it was kind of under fire for um, being anti-feminist, you right. know, right, against right. women in some way. He would he would say no my daughter is my beautiful daughter is the new head of playboy and how could it be anti-women when she's at the helm but i think it wasn't you know a completely easy atmosphere for her from what i can gather i think um i think that she wanted to do a lot of things with the company that the old guard probably wasn't really happy with and in the end of the day um when private equity took over a lot of the company she left and i think she had enough mm -hmm. uh, that's and i what is a you know i think i was telling someone beforehand i i you know they don't you don't see many 10 part uh, doc series anymore but uh, this one actually <laughs> but uh, i think it definitely justifies uh, 10 parts there's a lot there you cover a lot of ground and i think you're only hitting the tip of the iceberg in many ways um, yeah, that's the, the crazy part, right? Isn't that, no, it is. I mean, really that was meant. It wasn't meant as a criticism. I mean, I think you you had so much material. You've done an amazing job putting it all together and peeling that onion. But uh, you have a whole uh, one of the whole one of the episodes very much focused on the company culture, and um, 
you know, so again, it's not just Hefner, it's the whole corporation. Uh, I, I, I talk like someone who has an MBA, and unfortunately I do. But, you know, I've got, you know, you've, you've got this whole thing where this is what they're saying, but what's actually happening, and the glass ceilings that were in the, in actually definitely in place, even though the women didn't realize they were there. And then the, the, just the, the, the steady diet of harassment and uh, that they had to deal with in, in their positions. It's, it's quite, uh, yeah, um, it's sobering. Yeah. I think, I think that all of those aspects of Playboy were very interesting to me because that's really the world I came up in where it was like on the face of it, very, very equal and very, you know, pro-women, and then you <laughs> smack your head against the glass ceiling every once in a while by accident and just come out of it like woozy, you know, and and wondering what happened. Um, so I think those women in that corporate story really struck a nerve with me. They had it much worse than my generation did. They, you know, mm. their harassment was really overt. Um, but it still lingered when I was coming up, and, and I, do, I did recognize that whole thing. Yeah. And I think that's so important to talk about. It's not just like the really obvious stuff, but it's also how this attitude uh, that Playboy had that women were disposable kind of dripped through every part of the culture. And yet what you also uncover is all the cover-ups that they, the, 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 the great links they would go to to make sure no bad press would would come out hence the discussion we've had earlier about how how did we not know about this right the cover-up the cleanup crew yeah the cleanup whatever. crew that episode's yeah. just come out yeah the cleanup crew was a thing you know and you see me kind of incredulously asking yeah. <laughs> one yeah. of the security men like is this true the cleanup crew like can you confirm the existence of a cleanup crew and he's like oh yeah yeah that's yeah, true and, that and really you, happened <laughs> and you were probably expecting to say no what are you talking about but yeah. now he's like yeah no no I, I was on it or something oh, you know yeah i was part of the cleanup crew and so is mickey and so is, you know oh, so yeah, they all were part <laughs> so of it everyone you've been talking to was on the cleanup crew essentially right yeah so and that's why they were so disturbed like if you yeah. want to know why why these people and not those people at the mansion yeah of course the people on the cleanup crews all the worst stuff and yeah. a lot of the other people were shielded from it mm. okay um and then i mean i don't think well i'm not sure exactly i'm trying to remember but there's um look there's uh things that come out about people who are still alive um you know uh especially about some men i mean have you um how are you what is, how have you dealt with it so far and what are you expecting to be the reaction? Um, yeah. That? Um, we did not make any allegation that we couldn't corroborate many different ways. You Given know, we investigative. Or, yeah. We did not do that. that because that would be nuts. <laughs> yeah. 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 Exactly. Um, you know, and so, you, you know, I, I know that people wonder, like, why do we name these people and not those people in an episode? Yeah. It'll always be because what what could we do legally? You know, yeah. there, are, there are legal hurdles to overcome. There are investigative hurdles to overcome. You have to have other sources. So where you hear somebody alive and allegations against that person coming to light, you should know there is a lot more that I know than that. A lot more. Right. It's much right. deeper than that. This is the tip of the iceberg, so that's why we went forward with it. 
Okay. And are, so, exactly. So there could be, well, I mean, I don't think I will get into trouble. It won't, and no one will be surprised if I say, you know, Bill Cosby is one of the people that gets discussed. So, um, and, and in horror, unfortunately for uh, one of his victims in, in, she has, you know, she, she does share in, in utmost detail uh, what what the, the experience. But um, I think, uh, I mean, as you say, so if that's the case, um, you must. <laughs> are you living with the burden on your shoulders? You must have. There must have been a lot of names that have been mentioned that you are pretty sure probably did the things they've been accused of, but you are not in a position to to. Well, as you say, for many reasons, and rightly so. I think, let's put it that, I also should say, every episode, I forget how many times says, well, certainly at the end, there's always a title card saying, you know, these people have never been tried, you know, tried a court of law, there's no been accusation. Uh, I guess we should also say just because you're seen in a photo that you happen to be at a Playboy club doesn't make you, you know, guilty, obviously, because it was part of the culture, you know. That's right. And there were many men that I know went there for a long period of time who did not become predators or engage in predatory activity. So for everyone listening out there, don't just assume because you see somebody at Playboy, they were a predator. It's not true. Um, But, you know, yes, there were some for sure. And... You know, when when it came to Cosby, he, you know, the allegations against him spanned 50 years at Playboy. So for me, that was important to look at because it kind of started to lead to, well, what did Hef know? But he really have missed all of these allegations over all of these decades against the same man. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's a good point you make as well, which is you had the people who could go to the clubs. They had certain access you know, you even looked at a bunny wrong, you would get, you could get turfed out. And then you had these friends of Huff, of Hefner, sorry, not Huff, uh, but Hefner, wrong, wrong celeb. Um, but uh, Hefner, who, um, you know, it were kind of told carte blanche, you know, anything, anything goes, seemingly. Is yeah, the- there's this weird hierarchy at Playboy that you see kind of in all different situations where there's the rules for the ordinary folk, and then there's the rules for the VIPs who are often celebrities or somebody close to half or, you know, somebody big in some other part of uh, culture. And they can do whatever they want. Like all the rules are suspended for them and it's really a playground for them. And I think that was in place because it made half feel special. He could offer all these really big names somewhere that was just a free playground for them. And they all came and made him feel like king of that play- playground of special people. So yeah. He kept it going. Yeah, and I think as you point out, I mean, there was this, there was Playboy, there was the clubs, there were the, the mansions, but then there was this sort of, uh, it, it became a haven for a certain type of man, didn't it, in terms of uh, a part of his inner circle. And um, and I think, I don't think it's been released yet, but I mean, you even point out that this this wasn't just happening at the um, at the mansion. This was being replicated across L.A. at least, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, oh, one of our locations. episodes is really, um, we go back to Jennifer Saginor, who, yeah. you know, we met in the first episode. She comes back towards the end to say she's sort of kept doing her research, and she discovers that there's this kind of network of mini-mansions, which are like mini 
Playboy mansions, which we also call shadow mansions in the episode, but it's all her concept of the mini mansions, which um, she was recognizing as smaller versions of the Playboy mansion because she knew everyone from the mansion and she realized it was run by people connected to the mansion and they were kind of replicating what they saw happen there. Yeah. I mean, I think that does remind me, there's, I forget her name, it doesn't actually matter so much, but you were talking about this selective memory thing. There's one uh, one of the former employees. I think she's a photographer, and you know she even kind of—I wouldn't say she's disparaging, but she does, you know, say you know about one of the playmates. I think you, one of Hef, Hefner's girlfriends that you talk about that you know maybe casting doubts on her uh, motivations or or things like that. And then in a later episode, she um, she just barely avoided getting raped by one of uh, of Hefner's uh, inner circle. You know, uh, she gets left alone with this guy and uh, gets attacked. Yet, she kind of sh- seems to shrug it off. But it's a very interesting, uh, you know, dynamic that if, even even she wasn't safe. Mm. You know? Well, in her mind, Hef protected her from that situation. That She had been put in that situation by Playboy at large and Hef protected her. So yeah. you can see the complexity here of this situation. Yeah. Really complex, and it's a complex thing to navigate as a woman and to see your, you know, to see clearly. I think in some ways, um, and I think what that points to also is that we, as women, we often we often process exactly the same situation very, very differently, and we assign blame differently. Mm. We we tend to judge each other a lot. Um, I find that a very, very painful thing that mm-hmm. women can go through the same like assaults and assign blame to each other. I, I think that's really hard for me to see sometimes, but it's true. It happens. And do you think that's partly get that also gets to this whole element of why it's taken so long for this story to come out as it has? Because uh, not only well as you said i mean it, there's also uh there's also this element of self-blame isn't there that, mm-hmm. that happens. Oh, yeah. i yeah. i w- i must have been at fault you know almost right. self-victim blaming you know yeah absolutely a lot of that there's a lot of that you know playboy had the reputation in vegas right what happens at playboy right. stays at playboy right. right and so a lot of women felt if they had walked through the doors there, they had bought this upon themselves. And what's interesting is I think until very recently, our culture would have wholeheartedly agreed and said, you know, shut up and never tell us. You walk through those doors, you take responsibility for that. And I think now we're just beginning to say, wait a second, like you can you can sign up for a wonderful, playful, joyous sexual experience and you don't have to be responsible for being crushed and ending up with PTSD. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, and 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 do you think that is a? Do you feel like that is actually maybe it's just the beginning, but it is a a change that's actually going to happen. This isn't just something that's. Hopefully, it's a change that's going to happen. But I mean, it isn't just going to be stuck at, you know, a, a, a an era one or two years there where names you know people get brought to to, um, um, you know brought to uh, sort of responsibilities for this, you know, and then we kind of, there's no going back to that era. That, some, some of this seems so almost anachronistic, doesn't it? I mean, in, in terms of where we are now versus what was going on in the 70s, 80s, 90s. 
It does, but I also am a believer in like The Handmaid's Tale. I think we can slide backwards very easily. Okay. The, the history of women is all, you know, the history of all of these incredible strides forward, followed by these terrifying slides backwards. If you're watching Catherine the Great right now, you know what I'm talking about. You know, <laughs> she's like the era of Olympe de Gouge and the rights of women, and then they, you know, we know what happens after that. Yeah, they all yeah. end up in corsets and stuffed in untidy marriages and things. Um, you know, that's women have gone back and forth. I don't think that the place we're at is ever guaranteed. We have to fight for it. And with that in mind, what do you want the legacy of this docuseries to be? A little more freedom. I want women to feel free to speak up about their experiences. I want people to feel a bit more open-minded about what these experiences are really like. And then, you know, I want to hopefully help at some point create a, a more free world where people can experiment in a space that actually is a bit more safe. And it seems, I think it's in episode 10, uh, which I've had the good fortune of, of seeing. Uh, Mickey Garcia, Sandra Theodore, they all are now saying, we hope more women, more you know, more victims will come forward and be in a position to tell their stories. Have you seen any signs of that yet? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we certainly have. We have heard from a handful of victims since, since the show started airing. And some of them have called Sandra or Mickey directly and in Sandra's case, I know one woman said, you know, shaking and crying, you've changed my life. You've, you've, made, you've made me able to tell my story, which I thought I would have to keep up locked up for the rest of my life. And that's like a jail sentence for her, apparently. So yeah. I think that's why we do this. It's a freedom for people. Okay. Um, will you be revisiting this story, you think? Or, uh, or is I that... It's a lot to it's a lot to put on your shoulders. It's a lot. It's a lot. I don't know. I don't know. It depends what comes out, you know. If I feel like there's something there that we haven't covered that really needs to be told, I would certainly consider it. Yeah. But um there's also a lot of other stories I want to tell. Yeah, it's, and what I was going to ask and we're uh, coming to the end of our time together, but uh, what's next for you? I'm not sure I've out yet, but I am working on a I think I can say I'm working on four parts uh, for one uh, for a big streamer, and four parts is very comfortable after ten. It's wonderful. <laughs> it's a great size playground. I'm enjoying it a lot. Um, again, it's a it's a woman we all know, and it's a completely different angle on her. Um, again, there's a lot of scandal and a lot of prejudice. Um, we're going to tackle it head on. Intriguing. Well. <laughs> I, I can't wait to see it when we finally do. You do get to know what this, who the uh, subject is, and uh, hopefully uh, we can have you on again sometime. It would be great to uh, great to discuss that. And uh, good luck with uh, with your career, and good luck with uh, and congratulations on this series. And thank you for bringing this story to our attention. I think it's uh, long overdue. So thanks again so much, uh, Alexandra Dean, acclaimed filmmaker of Secrets of Playboy. 10 part any original documentary series. Thanks so much, Matthew. Pep pretended he wasn't involved in any hard drug use at the mansion, but that was just a lie. Coilids down the line were used for sex. Everything felt good to touch, everything felt soft and soft focus, and 
and it was lovely. Usually you just took a half. Now, if you took two, you'd pass out. It was such a seduction, and the men knew this, that they could get girls to do just about anything they wanted if they gave them a quaalude. Before I met Huff, I had never done a drug in my life, and I was just a young, naive girl that didn't know the ways of the world. I worked for Hefner at the Playboy Mansion in LA from late 1977 to mid-1989 as Hef's secretary and then eventually executive assistant. Quaaludes were, we called them the leg spreaders, you know, I mean, and I don't know that I want to get that crude, but that is what the whole point of them was, you know. They were a necessary evil, if you will, to the partying. Um, we would have prescriptions in some of our names. There were prescriptions in Sandra's name and Hef's name and my name. There was a prescription in Mary's name. We kept a desk calendar that just would say, you know, Lisa's Q or Hef's Q or Sandra's Q. That enabled certainly four and sometimes five different prescriptions for the same medication to Feed the Machine. Secrets of Playboy premieres Monday, January 24th at 9, only on A&E. I'd like to give a shout-out to Sam and Joe Graves at Intersound Audio in Eskrick, England, in deepest, darkest Yorkshire. A big thanks to Nevin Apanovich, podcast manager at Alamo Pictures, who ensures we continue getting great guests onto the show. And finally, a big thanks to our listeners. As always, we love to hear from you, so please keep sending us feedback and episode ideas. You can reach out to us on YouTube, social media, or directly by going to our website, www.factualamerica.com, and clicking on the Get In Touch link. And as always, please remember to like us and share us with your friends and family, wherever you happen to listen or watch podcasts. This is Factual America, signing off. Page is alamopictures.co.uk. 